Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott, and Angie Quinnell joining you on Oilers Now. Uh, we've already heard from Connor Brown who's part of the news of the day, and then Doug Waite, who is going up into the Oilers Hall of Fame. We are going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline from NHL Hockey and Rogers for Century Casino Edmonton. Every day is a game day at Century Casino Sports Bar and Lounge. Head to Century Casino on 131st Avenue and Fort Road. We welcome back to the show uh, one of the most esteemed broadcasters in the country from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Ron McLean. Hello, Ron. How are you doing? First of all, great interviews, weren't they? Uh, Doug Waite, it's funny, when I think about uh, Charlie Huddy and Doug Waite going into the hall, as you selected, and you've also hired the analytics guy, so you're on a bit of a tear here, a heater, they call it, right? <laughs> you, you think anyway, I, you, wait a sec here, you think I have that much pull that I can hire the analytics guy and uh, well, sway the vote? I heard it there first, so that's one thing in your favor. <laughs> okay. But, you know, it's funny with Doug, both Charlie and Doug, I think, of interviews along the way. So needless to say, the hockey speaks for itself, and we can talk about that if you want. But for me, uh, Doug, in the 2006, and sorry to bring up 06, but first of all, early in the series, Doug said to me, you know, going into game one, he, his butterflies were so bad. He hadn't slept really very well the night before. He was almost sick to his stomach hitting the ice for game one. And he said he came onto the ice to do the little lap, you know, before the anthem. And Grapes was on the ice with me. And he, he looked at Don Cherry and Don had on a purple flower jacket and a Panama hat and mirror sunglasses and all kinds of funny things all over his outfit. And Doug said, in that moment, I exhaled. He said, I, I sort of said to myself, why am I so worked up about this, for God's sakes? It's only, uh, you know, fun that we're having here, supposedly. And, and Don kind of settled him down. So that was one thing. And then he got hurt, unfortunately, in the final, as you know. And we're doing game six in the old rink in Edmonton. And uh, we kind of sensed that the Oilers were gaining control of the series. And so I say in a live interview on Hockey Night in Canada, moments before, the again, the anthem, uh, we're in the bowels there by where all the TV trucks were, and I'm interviewing Doug, and I said, what does uh, your team have to do, Carolina, to get it kind of back on track? And he looked at me, he says, well, what about Eric Cole suiting up tonight? And that's the first time anybody had any inkling that Eric Cole was coming back. Not that he made all the difference, but it was a, a motivational thing for, for the team. And he broke it uh, to me and kind of, you know, left me slack-jawed as he said it. Uh, because if uh, the listener doesn't know, Eric had been out with a broken neck uh, for half the year. So that was a big story. And I always remember Doug uh, breaking that on Hockey Night. Yeah. Brooks Orbrook, by the way, I believe, was involved in the play that Cole got hurt on. And... Um, that game six, it is. I've probably watched the video compilation that somebody put together on YouTube, and it's got Paul Orio singing the anthem, and you know the, the the Alberta beef gets flicked on the ice. I think Commissarek maybe even went and uh, picked it up or whatever. The Oilers dominated that game four nothing, and but you know what? Game seven, we were in Carolina. John Sexsmith, who used to work with you guys doing font court and stats, his son Joel plays on the Golden Bears. John was at Global for about 25 years. Uh, I sat next to him in Carolina, and the first couple of shifts, I'm like, oh boy, Oilers better get better get going because Carolina. Do you remember the morning, yeah. Ron? Do you remember the morning skates of the two game, the two teams? The Oilers was super loud. Of course, Carolina had gone first; they're the home team. You yeah. couldn't, like, you could hear a pin drop in Carolina's skate. And the orders were quite 
you know, chipper and loud and lots of energy. And I was like, hmm, that's got well, me. Well, as you recall, game yeah. five, we all thought was the coronation. That's yes. when Carolina had gone home to win it in Raleigh, and there was a hurricane. There was an actual hurricane uh, that day. So that had to be a good sign. Storming outside the rink, uh, they're ready to hoist Stanley, and then, of course, Fernando Pisani and the Oilers win, and, and that's where we all felt. But I think that 4 nothing win in game six was too good a win. Um, I don't know if you feel this, but yeah. I, I've often noticed when a team gets, you know, such a whipping, and and it was 4 nothing, but you know it could have been 10-zip. They were that good, Edmonton. And I think that's what kind of woke Carolina up and gave them a shot. Not that, uh, you know, it was still uh, by the skin of their teeth, but what a, what a great series that was. Yeah, and and unexpected, and in fairness to Buffalo, you know, they, they had a pretty good team. They ran out of defensemen. Rolison got hurt in game one. Yeah. Uh, Matt Green gave the outside drive up and to Andrew Ladd, and then Bergeron overcompensated and drilled him into Rolly and what a coulda shoulda you never know even Doug talked a bit about luck and in, in, in about the here and now uh, Charlie Huddy when I when I mentioned you Charlie Huddy on the going up in the Wall of Fame your thoughts on that well there again it's an interview that I remember most I mean I, I remember for sure you know you I'm sure talked ad nauseum about how dependable he was uh, you know and it's funny you were you were talking a little bit about. Uh, uh, just Newmarket and uh, Chris Knobloch and, and how Sherry, Sherry Bassett yeah. was the guy. Well, Sherry used to come into Newmarket, Connor McDavid's hometown, and scout the annual Christmas showcase. There was a Junior A showcase in Ontario that happened in Newmarket over Christmas, starting on Boxing Day. And that first game, 8 a.m. Boxing Day morning, the only guy in the rink was always Sherry Bassett. He, he would be there, and I, I would referee it because I was, Carrie and I don't have children, so that a lot of the refs, you know, with families, I knew they'd have a big Christmas. So I would take that early game. And saw Sherry. Um, and as far as Charlie goes and, and the interview, we were in the 88 playoffs. It's the famous May 24th power failure in Boston. Uh, Craig Simpson has just scored the tie at three, and bang, the lights go out, and they have to cancel. And now we're in full-on scramble mode trying to do the broadcast back to Canada. So I remember at one point I had thrown up to Bob and Harry, Bob Cole and Harry Neal, and I sneak outside the little dressing room we were using as a studio, and there's Charlie Huddy. Charlie had, had a really severe Charlie horse earlier in the playoff. He had a, honestly, Bob, I don't know if you saw it, if you were covering that, but his his contusion was so bad, his leg was black from the hip bone down to just below the knee, like scary, scary black. Um, so he couldn't play, but he was close to returning at that point. He was with the team. And so I grabbed Charlie and I said, Charlie, would you help me uh, fill a few minutes here? We're trying to figure out where to go next. And so I'm talking to Charlie and I must have interviewed him for 10 minutes. And then I hear this voice in my ear. I hadn't heard a thing. In fact, it was so bad, I wondered if we were still on the air because I hadn't heard a thing. And that's, of course, Larry Isaac was producing, probably in contact with the NHL and everybody trying to sort out how they're going about canceling the night. He says to me, Ron, I understand that Charlie Huddy is nearby. You might be able to get an interview. Now, I've just had 10 minutes with Charlie on the air, and this is, you know, that's how screwed up we were. But he was great, great that night, and uh, great every interview, just like Doug Waite, and what a hockey player. One other thing about uh, Doug, uh, you, you reflected on the two 97 and 98 wins over Dallas and Colorado, which were amazing Edmonton victories. Um, but I remember him springing Todd Marchant for that game-winning goal. Yeah. He went around Grant Ledger, right, blew a tire. 
Uh, again, it was a vintage Doug Waite pass. Only Doug Waite, Doug Gilmore, those kinds of guys make that pass. But Marshawn always said he, he got to play for some great captains, Kelly Buckberger, and then it became Doug Waite. And he played with Niedermeyer uh, for a bit. But he said the other captain that he thinks is his favorite along with Doug, because Doug was so good at dealing with, and Kelly, uh, dealing with all the uh, fourth-line guys. He treated everybody like they were the same guy. But it's Luke Richardson. Todd Marchand said he played, of course, former Oiler. He played with him in Columbus and said he was uh, one of the greatest captains, if not the greatest. So a little shout-out to Richardson there. All right. Uh, you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line because we are going to I'm gonna get uh, the listeners' thoughts here on Connor Brown starting training camp on the right side with Connor McDavid and Evander Kane. Obviously, they've got the Erie connection. I'd like to uh, get the thoughts of the listeners right now. 780-496-0063. The Ashley Fine floor is text line and now the floor is yours Rob McLean. What do you think of putting the two Connors together? Well it's kind of like me taking my Jeep in for a a tune up and when they bring the Jeep out to me they say here just check it out and they put me on a F1 track with Max Verstappen. (laughs) It's like I guess the knee is fine if they think you can skate with uh, McDavid but you you mentioned it the relationship is there and it's kind of a trend right now. Jonathan Druen's into Colorado reunited with his Halifax Moosehead Nate McKinnon. Mm. Uh, Mitchell Marner is reunited with his London Knight Max Domi. I don't know if they'll play together uh, but that that just seems to be one of the stories of this year's training camp, uh, getting junior guys back together. And I do think it's important. I think, you know, when uh, it's different, but I think when Brian Burke engineered the trade to ensure he had the two Sedins, uh, that's chemistry. Quinn and uh, Jack Hughes, uh, not Quinn, uh, but Jack Hughes uh, in New Jersey, now having his brother there, uh, you know, th- that's those things are important. You know, it's a game at warp speed. And if you have connections that uh, go beyond, uh, you know, X's and O's, I think it's vital. Well, I don't think there's, you know, and I'll give Jack Michaels credit for this because he was the first one that uttered this phrase. When it comes to coaching, they don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. And as you know, I came out of that U of A program. And Claire Drake, uh, the way he treated people, it's funny because Ken Ken Hitchcock would talk about Claire, and he'd say he's the John Wooden of hockey. You know, like yeah, that, and sure. modern penalty killing, the slide across with the the chase forward. The Bears were running a version of that in the seventies. Uh, zone defense. The Bears, you know, zone defense started because of Bullet Bob Hayes in the NFL and football. Nobody could cover him coming out of the '64 Olympics, and uh, and then it morphed into basketball. They eliminated it in basketball, Ron, as you know, because it worked. Games were too low scoring. Hockey was the last sport to have zone, while the the U of A was one of the first schools to play zone defense. And then they also had uh, modified middle zone breakouts, which long before other teams came up the middle. Most of the you know teams went up the, the sidewall and that sort of thing. All those great technical advances. The biggest thing Claire did was treat people well. And right. his, his, he told me his philosophy was: you treat people with respect and dignity from the beginning of relationships. And when you do that, you engender passion and support from the player because he doesn't want to fail you because you've treated him better than anybody else. And there's a lesson in that, isn't there? 
When you were interviewing Elliot, uh, I don't know when, yesterday, I think, uh, and you talked uh, a little bit about uh, the Purple Ponies, Western, the football game. Wow, uh, you're, we, you're like listening. This is yes. the, We have Ron McLean listening. To, you're the reason why our Apple podcast numbers are so high yeah, right really, now, Ron. Well, I, well, I have to know because Elliot and I are golfing tomorrow, and I needed to hear how well he played at the Oiler event to know I don't want to get sandbagged. But no, seriously, it was neat to hear you touch on the uh, you know the possibility of uh, of a Vanier Cup and and all of that and and I was walking my dog Jackson yesterday and there was somebody or two days ago and somebody was out on the front lawn with a spray can painting a poster and it was for the Western Mustangs they were headed off to Kingston for the big game which as you know was a miracle win for yeah for Western so so that when, when I moved to Oakville Bob 1986 I uh, went to National Records because Carrie my wife had a job there it's uh, it was a little sports uh, racket place and I signed up to play squash and I my first opponent was a local member named Michael Donlevy and it was of course Jim's brother okay. and he was incredible to me so you know and he's from that school of uh, caring that uh, yeah. Claire Drake Jim Donlevy you you go through what uh, we grew up with it with uh, Hugh Campbell the way he ran things right. it, you know it was just a there was a kindness you know kill him with kindness almost uh, way that they went about the ruthless task of uh, tackling. Well, uh, Jim Donlevy was central to the birth and development of the Western Hockey League education program. That's where That's he went to after. And ironically enough, the last two times the Alberta Golden Bears played Western was in 1980 and 81. Blake Dermott was listening to the show yesterday and he texted me. Blake used to do my color on Golden Bears games back in the mid-2000s when Alberta was really good. They were 7-1 and both years. And he said, Stoff, we played those two games, people forget, at Commonwealth Stadium. We beat Western both years. Darwin Simodiak was their head coach. Mm. Uh, his, uh, uh, he's young. He's passed away, but he he was the uncle of a, a buddy of mine, Doug McLean, that does the Bears games now, and um, it was a big deal beating Western for Alberta. Unfortunately, they haven't got back since 1981 to a to a bowl game. They they're always there in hockey, but not necessarily in football. So, and it is it's interesting. So, I did not know Michael Donnelly. That I've never I didn't know that about you. So that's, that's yeah. It. He was a great friend to me. He, he was kind of a guy when you're new in town, right? Especially us. We were Red Deerians, two years in Calgary, and now down to the big smoke, and kind of lost. And he was just uh, such a gentleman and uh, really a great guy to talk, you know, sports with. And as I was finding my way, Don Levy was a huge part of it. Well, it's uh, it's quite impressive. So you're, you're thinking it makes sense. The only problem is you're you're out on the ice with a Ferrari. If you're Connor Brown, if anybody can handle it, yes, right. you can't. That means his knee's fine. That's that's the first thing I took. Is gosh, what a way to you know start out. Um, and then after that, uh, he you know the fact that he was his captain, Connor McDavid's captain. So Connor, yeah. Connor, let's get on her. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, look, uh, we'd be remiss without talking about what happened in Columbus. You know, I'm I I've probably in my adult life run at one time or another. I don't know if you remember the movie Any Given Sunday, but there's a speech that Al Pacino does. And he, course, says, yeah. and he says, I've made every mistake a grown man. Well, you know, uh, fortunately to this point, uh, not divorced, but, you know, only because I have a really understanding wife. But I, I, I tend to have a lot of empathy and not be really judgmental. That said, I, you know, I don't think we should be in pushing the envelope and invading others' uh, personal space. Now, it's a very tricky situation. Um I feel bad for the Columbus Blue Jackets and their players. I think Mike made a mistake. It's too bad. It's unfortunate. And uh, i just like to get your thoughts. I mean, you, 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 I think you do a really good job sometimes with difficult subjects. Uh, and frankly, 
you know, in radio, you're supposed to go to the mouth of a lion, and we talk right. real hard topics during the pandemic that were not always popular for our listeners on this show. It's funny how engaged they were, but I'd like to just get your assessment on what went down in Columbus. Well, I'm a huge disciple of a guy named Goethe, uh, the German poet, uh, and he always had a line, beware those who are eager to punish. And I think that's, you know, one of the takeaways for me is uh, I think everybody recognizes Babcock made a huge mistake. Uh, Lord only knows, you know, I, I'm sure you've had this uh, situation where somebody's trying to show you something on their phone and they begin to scroll and now other photos are showing up and you look away, right? That's the last thing you want to do is invade somebody's privacy on, uh, especially, yeah. you know, the, and so, I mean, it, it, from what the investigation seems to have uncovered, it, it was beyond the idea of, you know, you've got a dog that great, show me a picture. And uh, what's your favorite, you know, happy place with uh, the family? I'd love to see that. That would have been probably acceptable, but it just got uh, from the investigation, it sounds like. And again, we, as Elliot's touched on and John Shannon's touched on, we don't know all of the details. Uh, we just know that it made uh, some of the players very uncomfortable and that's just, you know, it can't happen. So, so unfortunate because like you, I, I or John Shannon, at least, I have a very good relationship with John Davidson. He was yes. the guy who broke me in in the business and he's just a prince of a guy and you know he, he, he as you said everybody's for a second chance uh, and he probably he must have in his head thought that this is a way to connect to you know the young generation but it was just such a mistake and uh, you know glad it's been rectified uh, you know the players do need uh, to band together once in a while as, as uh, I thought of Sheldon Kennedy you know when he talked you know his perpetrator wasn't a, a lowly soul lost his perpetrator was Hockey News Man of the Year Yeah. so you know that, that can be the, the trap if we don't have uh, a means of of holding uh, power to account. So it, in this instance, it was a good example of it can be held. And so Ron, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, look, we're here because of the players and yeah. the fans. I, I'm, I, it, we're lucky to do it. Like I consider, you know, Bryn Griffiths would say to me, Stoff, you're going to move full time into the toy department of life. You know, you're the SID at the U of A. I'm going to give you the afternoon drive show on the all sports station. And now it's, you're, you're, it's fun time, right? And I think a guy's busting their ass up in the oil patch or people out sitting there and they're, you know, I talked to somebody today and he's, you know, he's going to be moving shortly into canola and, and that sort of, those guys have real hard job. We're lucky to do, but it's never lost to me that the players and the, the fans are the primary reasons we do what we do and we're privileged to do it. You know what I'm saying? Marvin Miller, right? A uh, whole different ball game. If you haven't read it, it's uh, the, the, the crux of how he created the whole... Back in 1976, average salary in the NHL was 76000 Sorry, it was 96000 Average in MLB was 76000 20 less. Uh, that's because of the WHA. It was a big part, the bidding wars that took yeah. place. But the fact is, Miller convinced them, you are the game. And and that that is absolutely the truth of the matter. You need infrastructure. You need lots of uh, good interested parties to come together as stakeholders. But yeah, the players are the game, and uh, this was a good. And I think you know it kind of occurred to me even when Stephen Stamkos goes public with his contract, it was yes. interesting. You know, kind of a, a little bit of a distraction. But again, I think it's just a player saying enough. You know, and so that that's not. A bad thing. I know it'll feel to some who are used to structure that the inmates are running the asylum, but no. The the uh, the true um, fact of the matter is the players are the game. They're the show. Ron, love having you on the show. Flattered that you're listening to segments to it on days that you're not on the show. Yeah, it's fun too. It's a, it's a good connection for me. So.
goes that, both ways. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ron. And we'll sure, hook sure, up bro. next week. You bet. That you is better. Ron McLean from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Ron's appearances are brought to you uh, every Thursday on the show by Century Casino Edmonton. Every day is a game day at Century Casino Sports Bar and Lounge. Head to Century Casino on 131st Avenue in Fort Road. It's 553 at Edmonton. We'll step out and come back with uh, NHL today for elite promotional marketing. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott joining you on Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers Now sent you. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until 10, or 5 p.m. until close. And don't miss your chance. We're closing this in uh, tomorrow. Don't miss your chance to join an exciting road trip to Nashville, Tennessee. You'll watch the Oilers play the Predators. Uh, this package includes non-stop airfare with Flair Airlines, Four Nights Deluxe Hotel near all the action, lower bowl game tickets, a welcome reception with yours truly, and special guests experience all that Music City USA has to offer on the Nashville roadie. Call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. As we go into NHL today, for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandise specialist, head to ElitePromoMarketing.com. And here is Brendan Escott. Okay, well, if you missed the top of the show, I'll remind you that Michael Parcati has been named the club's senior director of data and analytics. He joins the Oilers after most recently working at Suncor Energy in Calgary, but uh, was doing some consulting from 2013 to 15 with the club. Elsewhere, the sale of the Ottawa Senators to Michael Andlauer and his group now complete. Ilya Mikheyev left Canucks training camp for personal reasons today. Vegas's goaltender Robin Leonard out indefinitely will start the season on long-term injured reserve. Jets uh, first-round pick Colby Barlow signed him to an entry-level deal three years for the 18th overall pick. The Flames signing Parker Bell to his entry-level contract as well. He's a fifth-rounder. That, I believe, plays for uh, Tri-City. The Edmonton Oil Kings will open the regular season uh, tomorrow and Saturday night. Home-and-home series against the Red Deer Rebels tomorrow. They are in Red Deer Saturday at Rogers Place. And the Golden Bears have that neutral site game in Cold Lake. The series, I should say, against USASC this weekend. Uh, Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. A soft tissue issue for Ryan McLeod. He was not on the ice today. Hip flexor for uh, Edmonton Oilers defenseman Matthias Ekholm. They'll both be out briefly, uh, I think the hope is, to start to... Uh, training camp in, in early preseason. Ryan Fanti out month to month for the Oilers organization as well. He was a goaltender signed by, uh, really in large part, by Tyler Wright, who uh, a couple, uh, I guess, back in, would have been like maybe March of 2022. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Thomas Dias, Louis DeBrusque from NHL Hockey and Rogers for GCL Diesel when we return.